first reading can be found on page 1177, page 1177 of the Church Bibles beside you. It's taken from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 20. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armour of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything to stand. Stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. This is the word of the Lord. The second reading can be found on page 1085 in the Church Bible. Page 1085, it's taken from John chapter 17 and it starts at verse 13. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Shall we pray? <coughs> Lord Jesus, we thank you for this amazing prayer that you prayed for us. And we thank you that you're still praying, in effect, this prayer for us 2,000 years later, seated with your Heavenly Father on your throne. And as we listen to your prayer, may we take encouragement from it this morning and also um, some new understanding and insight into how we too should pray. I've uh, just been away, uh, <clears throat> not last week, but the week before, at uh, the church uh, camp, New Wine, 
where I was privileged to hear Pete Gregg, founder of the 24-7 prayer movement, um, which has had so, much, so massive an impact over the last 10 years, I guess. Uh, something that we've been involved in here in this church. Um, as he was speaking, he mentioned Thy Kingdom Come, which was um, an initiative by the Archbishop of Canterbury, by the two archbishops, um, at Pentecost, calling the whole church here and across the world to pray. And Pete Gregg reckoned that uh, this Pentecost 24-7 had had more impact on the nation than any other prayer event in his lifetime, and he included a few others that he could name. As he said, well, perhaps vicars have to respond to an invitation from the archbishop, but when you get a teenager praying at three o'clock in the morning, that can only be about God and about their desire for his kingdom to come. Well, it's just possible, as I look around, maybe, maybe not. Yes, it's just possible that some of you remember a moment of national prayer with even greater impact. When Britain was close to defeat during the Second World War and the entire British army was trapped at Dunkirk, George VI, in desperation, called for a national day of prayer on the 26th of May, 1940. I haven't yet seen the film, so there are no spoilers here, but I don't know if this moment is mentioned in the film. But in a national broadcast, the king instructed the people of the UK to turn back to God in repentance and to plead for divine help. Millions of people across the British Isles flocked into churches praying for deliverance. Hopefully, uh, here's an extraordinary picture of people outside Westminster Abbey queuing to get in in order to pray. Two events immediately followed that call to prayer. Firstly, a violent storm arose over the Dunkirk region, grounding the Luftwaffe, which had been killing thousands on the beaches. And then a great calm descended on the channel, the like of which hadn't been seen for a generation, allowing hundreds of tiny boats to sail across and rescue 335,000 soldiers rather than the estimated 20 to 30,000. From then on, people referred to the miracle of Dunkirk. And Sunday, June the 9th, was officially appointed a day of national thanksgiving. National days of prayer were held at critical points through the war, and after each one, God responded with his blessing and protection. And looking back, the Bishop of Chelmsford, Chelmsford Dr. H.A. Wilson wrote, if ever a great nation was on the point of supreme and final disaster and yet was saved and reinstated, it was ourselves. It does not require an exceptionally religious mind to detect in this the hand of God. Well, in John 17, 5, Jesus prayed, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. Well, today is the fourth in our series of uh, sermons on John 17, Jesus' huge prayer for himself and for his disciples on the night before he died, a prayer which has shaped the life and the destiny of his church ever since. First, uh, two weeks ago, we heard um, that Jesus' main prayer for himself was that his Father would be glorified in his own life in his death and resurrection. We were challenged then to recognize that when we pray, 
um, sorry, to recognize firstly that we are an answer to his prayer, and that when we pray, like him, we must first seek our Heavenly Father's glory before we present our own needs. Well, then we heard that his first prayer for his disciples was that the Father would keep them by the power of his name. So faithfulness is in Jesus' heart for us before success or happiness. So what does he pray for next? What are we looking at today? Well, let's look at our pa passage. Verse 13, he prays for protection. Protect them from the evil one. Verse 13, he says, in effect, um, I'm on my way to you now, but I want my disciples to have... Actually, if you haven't got the Bible open, maybe you could just open it back at John 17, verse 13. Um, I did know the page number for that, but I've forgotten it. Oh, yes, it's here, isn't it? That's right, it's 1,085. 1,085. Okay, so verse 13, Jesus is in effect saying, I'm on my way to you now, Father, but I want my disciples to have all my joy. Oh, brilliant, we say. That's wonderful. So we're going to be happy and have fulfilled lives. Well, not quite. In verse 14, Jesus says, I've given them your word, myself, the covenant of intimacy with you and the commission of partnership with you. But the result of that is that the world now hates them because they now have a completely different allegiance, a different purpose, and a different set of values. So verse 15, they're going to need your help. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. Well, we know, of course, that the world is broken in many ways. We see it all around us. People we love are sick and dying. People we meet are angry and cruel. Lives are destroyed by war and by greed, by famine, fire, and flood. And one of the sickest ways that the world is broken is that when God comes to mend and to heal, people get crucified. Jesus knows this as he prays the prayer. And at the start of John 17, as we heard two weeks ago, Jesus prays for his Father not to take away the cross, but to reveal his glory. So here it is, the climactic moment of the world. The Son asked the Father to reveal his glory. And if God's glory, his greatest glory, is for us to be happy, then this is the moment for God to sweep away all suffering. But God doesn't. We don't know why he doesn't, and it makes us angry that he doesn't. But the Father chooses to reveal his glory not by ending suffering, but through suffering. And Jesus knows this too. He knows he could avoid suffering, but he also knows the cross itself is the place of salvation and healing for the world. A cruel wreath of piercing thorns is going to be his crown of glory. So what does he pray for next, for himself and for his disciples? Well, we heard that last week. He prays for faithfulness so that God's glory may be revealed, to hang on in there. And now he prays to be kept safe from the evil one. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. 
The long prayer of John 17, it's complex and it's theological. It intentionally embraces us down through the generations all across the world. But a short while later in Gethsemane, Jesus is going to pray a much simpler prayer, applying all of this theology to his own coming crisis. He prays this. Father, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. Four critical prayers in 20 short words. Firstly, Father. Father, you love me. You are my Father. You love me. In my darkest night, I will hold on to that. Secondly, everything is possible for you. Creator God, you can do anything. You are mighty. You are powerful. You can do all things. Thirdly, take this cup from me. I need you. Help me. But fourthly, yet not what I will, but what you will. I want your glory. It's much shorter, but it's basically the same prayer as John 17 so far. Firstly, you are my father. Secondly, everything is possible for you. Protect me from the evil one. Thirdly, as I drink this cup, keep me faithful to you. And fourthly, do what you will. Reveal your glory. Does Jesus receive an, uh, an answer to that prayer? Yes, he does. Firstly, he is kept faithful to God even in death, even in the worst kind of death. Secondly, despite the shattering of his life and ministry by betrayal and violence, Jesus is protected from the evil one, utterly rejecting Satan, the accuser, by forgiving those who have sought to destroy him. And of course, he's protected from the evil one's intention to destroy him utterly. Instead, God destroys death and raises Jesus into new life. And thirdly, and therefore, God reveals his glory by turning crucifixion into resurrection. Well, as he said, he prayed not that God would take them out of the world, but protect them. And God didn't instantly take Jesus out of the world, but he allowed the world to do its worst. Yet Jesus is kept faithful and protected through that worst, that God's glory may be revealed. And what of his disciples? Well, they too are left in the world, and they too still suffer persecution and sickness and death. But yes, they are kept faithful to the name, and they are protected against the powers ranged against them so that gospel message of God's glory can be preached to all the nations. Well, these answers happen in different ways throughout the, um, the New Testament. Peter and Paul are both supernaturally freed from prison where their faithful witness has brought them. Paul is freed in response to worship and Peter in, uh, in answer to urgent prayers of his friends. Yet, Jesus predicts Peter's eventual martyrdom, and he tells Paul how much he must suffer for his name. 
So pr protection can be physical, but it will not always be. Some disciples are protected from poisonous snakes, from persecution, from sickness. Others are not. But they are all protected in it. Stephen, the first martyr, shows us how this works. He isn't protected from a horrible death, but we see Jesus' prayer for him fulfilled as he dies. He, is faithfully, he has faithfully borne witness to Christ before his accusers, kept faithful in the name. And now on his knees, he is bludgeoned by stones. And at that moment, he sees Christ in the glory of the Father. A vision of Christ in glory. And that inspires him to pray in the same way that Jesus prayed on the cross, asking the Father for his executioner's forgiveness. So he is protected from the evil one's power to shackle and to corrupt, even in that final moment of darkest suffering. Well, by now you've almost certainly forgotten the first words that, uh, that we read that Jesus spoke in today's reading. Jesus declares, I have given them your word that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. Not happiness, but joy. The joy of his presence in his physical and written word. Joy which is both eternal and is now. Joy which is blazing light even amidst the most terrible darkness. This is the true answer to Jesus' prayer for protection for his disciples, for Peter and John, for Paul and Stephen, for you and me. That we remain in his joy. We see it in Paul's living, clothed with the armour of God, strong in his mighty power. We see it in Stephen's dying, bathed in the glory of Christ. The darkness of dying will become for us nothing but glorious light, utter joy in our Saviour's presence in answer to his prayer. So, when you face your own crises and when you pray for others in theirs, remember three things. Firstly, remember that Jesus is praying for you and for those for whom you pray as well. That should be some encouragement for you. Secondly, sometimes God does protect us from the evil one by protecting us from the physical crisis. So it's really worth praying urgently for that. But thirdly, remember also that Jesus prayed for himself and for you not to avoid suffering, but to be protected in it. Protected to bring him glory, protected to stay faithful, protected to share his joy. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, how we thank you for our Lord Jesus' prayer to you, that you would protect us from the evil one. And we know that we meet the evil one in all sorts of uh, subtle and violent ways. At times we are seduced by the evil one to do things that would displease or sadden you. At other times we are overwhelmed 
by the anger of the world, by the cruelty and the wickedness of the evil one. In those times, the subtle and the terrible, would you please protect us by your Spirit. Keep us safe inside, secure in our faith and in our hope in you. Thank you that Jesus is praying for us and for those we love. Heavenly Father, please hear his prayer. We know he prays not that you would remove us from the world, but that you would protect us from the evil one. May his prayer be fulfilled in our lives. Amen.